as I hunt now, it's not like I can go, oh, we're going to go to episode day. We're dealing with wild animals. But the Lord can produce that episode like that. And so if I'm in His will, staying grounded in His word, and and, uh, and again, back kind of the question is, I didn't do it all right, Levi. I didn't. Welcome to another Dulas interview. Today I have the famous Jeff Danker from Bump Ventures Outdoors. So Jeff, welcome to the show. Well, I don't know about famous, but yeah, thanks for having me, Levi. <laughs> All right, Jeff, so let's just start at the beginning of your life. Uh, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? And on, on top of that, did you have Christian parents growing up? You know, Levi, uh, Edmond, Oklahoma is where I was born, right up there at Memorial uh, Hospital, right there on 2nd Street, and then just uh, grew up pretty much where I live now, Wellston, Oklahoma. Um, just out on a little farm up there and you know my uh, I grew up I mean I was supposed to be a famous roper that's what my dad did me and my brother just rodeo rodeo I was roping off horse when I was four years old and, mm. and uh, but my mom got uh, to go into a missionary Baptist church right there in a little town of Wellston and um, Billy Melrose uh, a lady she's still alive she's in her 90s now really um, came to my mom and dad and, and, and shared the gospel with them. And, mm. and, uh, so my mom, um, really got involved in church back then and started driving a church bus. And, and so on Sundays we would be in a rodeo pen. I mean, we'd be roping and, um, I was thankful my mom started making me go to church mm. and my dad, though he wasn't coming to church at the time, um, he made me go. Mm. And so, um, you know, for for years my mom was involved like that and and uh so i was in church okay well that sounds good i mean a lot of a lot of kids definitely need their parents to be christians first mm-hmm. before they become christians mm-hmm. because obviously our parents influence us whether for good or for bad so thankful that that lady came and shared the gospel with your parents there right. but you mentioned that you were roping so uh can you talk about what it, what, it, what it's like to be a professional roper and how you got into mm-hmm. that and, and how difficult it must be to right. be a roper <laughs> well i mean heck my life was you know it was just a lot outside dad from taking me coon hunting when i was four to to roping and um a lot of my cousins did it um and so we were literally in a roping pen you know four or five nights a week just i mean I remember eating on the run, um, you know, grabbing a hot dog or whatever. And, and so as we went, um, as a kid, you know, I started playing baseball, basketball, football, but then I was roping too. So we were going down, we went to a deal called MRCA, Miniature Rodeo Cowboy Cowgirl Association. Mm-hmm. And my dad really pushed that. And we, we went to a ton of rodeos and, uh, I remember being 12 years old and, and, um, you know, roping for uh the championship there and end up not winning at all but was close mm-hmm. and then went on to team roping calf roping team roping and um yeah we we roped in some pretty big ropings across you know really the united states so um and it is tough i mean it, it's like you know if you're a baseball player you can make it so far and then it don't matter you know you're getting paid right mm-hmm. If you strike out 10 times in a row, you still get paid. Well, roping, it ain't that way. Mm-hmm. You're out roping, and it isn't like somebody's paying you a big contract. If you don't win, you don't pay your bills. Mm-hmm. So wow. that's kind of the way that was, and, and it was fine when you didn't have a family. And, and we did all right, but, um, and we were pretty good. But um, that's kind of where it is. You either got to either get right on top of it and have big corporate sponsors 
or you got to win all the time. <laughs> and that's how so, you can continue yeah. to do it, or else if you don't, right. you got to go to something else. Yeah. Which apparently you did. Not that you're bad at roping, but you transitioned to hunting. So I just want to get, before we get into your business of hunting, yeah. how did you feel, or how did you enter into the hunting sphere as a young as a young kid? Well, I mean, again, back, Dad was taking me coon hunting when I was four years old. Um, my uncle introduced me to coyote hunting. So I, I had this love for the outdoors. Um and they just instilled that in me. And then, and then rodeo, I loved it too. And then my dad was a roofer. So we worked hard. I mean, you know, he taught me how to work. And I remember being on a roof when I was five years old, working with him in construction. But as I went and I was rodeoing and all that, I got into hunting as well. And an opportunity came, Levi, where a guy called me and said, hey, I got this hunting show, local hunting show here in Oklahoma City. Would you want to be a part of it? And I literally just turned him down. I said, nah, man, I'm, I'm working for my dad roofing. I'm rodeoing. I was hunting, doing exactly what I wanted to do. And, and he said, well, would you be interested in a percentage of it? Hmm. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> so I kind of went down that road and got some free bows, and he, he sent me out to film, and I didn't know a lot about it. But um, long story short, I spent quite a bit of money that he was supposed to be paying for as I was getting this footage. And he never paid me. Hmm. So I end up with this footage. And then I'm like, hmm, well, I'll just start my own show. And that's kind of where I did. I don't really know how that, I mean, I don't know if I was just dumb or smart. <laughs> <laughs> but we started Buck Ventures, you know, and and um, it was tough at first. But that's what we chose to do. And here you are today, you know, national TV program. And so God has blessed you in that in that sphere. So going back earlier, I know you told you told me before that you were saved at a young age. So how, how did you come to Christ? Was it just the parental influence and going to church and hearing the gospel over and over? Or how did you personally accept Christ? As your well, this is a complicated deal because truthfully, I was a kid. Uh, I mean, my mom took me to a church camp. You know, we, we didn't go to Falls Creek. We went to a deal. Uh, Cedar Falls and Binger, Oklahoma, and um, and I was at Vacation Bible School, and that that's really the night. Vacation Bible School, eight years old, um, and uh, they're running, chasing girls, playing ball like I love to do. But um, I'd heard enough of the gospel, and that night on a Wednesday night, I remember the pastor talking pretty biblical as I look back on you know, but but talking about heaven and hell. And I dismissed it. I had a big time what I felt like a pull on my heart that night and, and didn't do anything. Thursday night, same thing. But I I just, I always sit, told the story of I don't know how I got up there. Hmm. I just ended up there. And I remember, you know, what I remember of it is him asking me, you know, if I'm a sinner. It wasn't the repeat after me deal. Mm-hmm. But I was saved that night. Um and um, baptized the next week and on fire for the Lord. I mean, literally from that day, I had, I was just a, I was always a good salesman, if you will, <laughs> you know. And I had every one of my friends on that church bus that my mom was driving. Wow. I had them all at church camp for probably the next three to four years of just, that was my life. I mean, you know, I still roped and all that, but I, so it's been a real, I mean, this could be a whole, podcast that we talk about this but um there was never any doubt Levi, mm. ever zero doubt mm. um but as i 15 16 years old playing ball um 
you know, I was taught that everything had to be fair. You know, we played by the rules, and my dad instilled in me that you work hard, but everything's fair. If it's not fair, you fight for it. And as I transitioned 16, 15, 16, 17 years old, I got into, I never did any drugs, but I drank beer, partied, um, chased girls. And so there was a point in my life um, where I woke up and thought, and still to this day, um, I know I'm saved now. And again, I know we're spending a lot of time here, but I just want to be um, thorough here is, mm -hmm. Um, I don't have a date. I, I look back on that night and I still wonder. Hmm. And I and I can't, I, I want to say I probably wasn't saved because I did so much bad after. Mm -hmm. But there's still a part of me that it's hard to shake that. And even as I've talked to pastors about it, you know, all I can do now is know, I know now, I'm not going to look backwards at my salvation. I'm going to look backwards and learn and what, see where I've went mm -hmm. and, and how I can fix things, but I'm not going to look backwards at my salvation. Mm -hmm. um, I know I've heard you talk about a, a sermon that uh, Dr. John MacArthur, you know, saved or deceived. Mm -hmm. Thanks a two-part deal. And I've literally listened to that a million times. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I believe in Scripture where it talks about you are working at your salvation. And again, uh, I know you're saved or you're not. But I, I know I am saved now um, by examining myself, but I, I can't tell you if that night I was saved or is just somewhere along the way, if that makes yeah. any sense. It does, and I think that kind of answers the next question I had. I was going to ask you the difference between somebody who's saved at a young age and then who remains versus somebody who gets saved at a young age but you know, kind of falls off and then mm. realizes that they're not saved. But I think you answered it when you said mm. that you're looking at your life now. Am I bearing mm. fruit now? Am I working my salvation out now? Right. So I think that kind of answers what what, what I had to, to ask you on that front. So, um, but um, going back to your professional career, now you started Buck Ventures in 2003. Mm -hmm. And uh, so how did you come up with the catchy tagline, shoot, shoot by sight, walk by faith? I well, kind of like yeah, I had a graphic design artist was my cousin that helped, you know, come up with, you know, if, if a lot of people don't even know, if, yeah, the logo, you see the Christian fish. A lot of people don't even see the Christian oh, fish. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we came up with that logo and then he came up with, you know, uh, shoot by sight, walk by faith, obviously, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And, and uh, we just kind of went with it. It was um, it's something that I always wanted to do. I always talked about walking by faith, walking by faith. And and so that was the tagline. And, again, there's so many people that's watched our show for years, huge fans. They never even see the Christian fish. Yeah. And apparently you didn't, yeah, I didn't either. either. So, <laughs> I just saw it. Um, yeah. But uh, the graphic design artist was a real... He's a very talented guy, and you know, and it's it's worked for us every time we end it. You know, shoot by sight, walk by faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, as a, as a successful businessman, you've worked for yourself for a while. And um, how did you? Because I know a lot of successful men, it's when they're married, they have children. It's hard to walk that fine, especially when you're working. 80, 100 hours a week trying to get things, something off the mm. ground, and especially being in show business like you are, it's mm. definitely a, a challenging field. So how do you, how did you balance? marriage with Tracy and your your wonderful daughters mm -hmm. now how, how did how did you walk that well line? and this is a subject I mean as I read the questions and and this is a deal that I still if I could go back I'm not sure I would still go down the path if I'm just transparent today mm -hmm. because it's uh you know it is successful and, and and I think as a successful businessman as a Christian man we have to be careful 
we have to be careful and guard and not pluck something out and say, oh, this is from the Lord, mm-hmm. you know. And so as I went and, and we've been successful, I mean, from a worldly standpoint, we've been successful, but then we have been successful too as using the show for a platform. Um, so, but I've had to really decipher, okay, God, is this from you or is this something that the devil can get in there? Because the truth of the matter is I did lose time with my wife and kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as you're going through it, it's hard to, to get a hold of it. But when you look back and you go, man, I, I wish I would have been there more. And so I would tell anybody listening, be careful, you know, seek. I wish I would have had counsel that maybe could have helped me through more. And, and today, um, you know, 50 years old now, I try to be more careful. I mean, you know, I really live in Romans eight twenty eight, where it, you know, talks about God is working everything for good to those who love him. So basically the ones that are saved, he's, he's working everything for good for his, you know, his purpose, his kingdom, you know, to those that are called. So, um, as I hunt now, it's not like I can go, oh, we're going to go to episode day. We're dealing with wild animals. Mm-hmm. But the Lord can produce that episode like that. And so if I'm in his will, staying grounded in his word, and and, um, and again, back kind of the question is, I didn't do it all right, Levi. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, we've been successful finance financially over time. And we have, uh, I've shared the gospel with a lot of people. But um, I think if we interviewed my my wife and my kids, they would say, well, yeah, we've missed out on some of that. Mm. And I don't like that. And again, now today, as we're older and they're older, they they see the platform that it has dealt with. You know, and we, we deal with thousands, if not millions, on a national level, but even like producers in house. And that kind of stuff, that's where we've really got to be hands-on with making sure and sharing the gospel. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely always a fine line because I've heard it's football coaches that are successful, but then you read about their family lives and like, man, they rarely saw their their children and and their family. So it's hard. But I think, like you said, Romans 8.28, as a Christian, for those who are in Christ, all Mm -hmm. things do work together for good, no matter Mm -hmm. what the circumstances Mm -hmm. are. Right. Um, so as a famous hunter that represents Christ, have you ever felt the pressure of kind of toning down the gospel? Because the gospel is offensive. You can't, I don't think we can go anywhere around that. So mm-hmm. have you ever felt the pressure of, you know, maybe I better kind of relax mm-hmm. my Christianity here if I want to kind of progress mm-hmm. my, my show? You know, I haven't. I mean, uh, I had one of my CEOs come to me, or COO, a few years back and said, Jeff, what will you do if Academy comes and says, listen, tone it down. You know, they're, they're probably my biggest corporate sponsor. And to me, those are the easy ones, Levi. The big ones. Mm-hmm. Where I mess up is the little compromises. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the mm-hmm. big ones, I've never, uh, it would be so easy for me. Um, to, I'm going to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, uh, th- that's, that's the easy part for me. I got a big mouth anyway. And I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, I'm going to share the gospel. But it's the little things um, of being the businessman. It's the little things of, of, uh, not compromising along the way. I mean, you know, one thing that I have uh, done is we go to church every Sunday. You know, I I just won't let that go by without going to church. Uh, you know, the, the the I mean, I'll just give you an example. Two weeks ago, we were coming back. We had been on the road a bunch. We were coming back from Ohio, heading to North Missouri, and we are on a Sunday morning. And, you know, with today's churches, I mean, you're... you're it's just almost a toss-up if you end up at a good one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
And so I was sitting there, we're listening to John MacArthur going down the road. I got me and my field producer next to me. You know, a boy is 24 years old and really trying to, to uh, instill in him the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, we don't need to stop. We, we need to go. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to stop and go to church because we ain't going to end up at a good one anyway. Mm-hmm. And it was just like God saying, hey, assemble, <laughs> you know. And so I did. I just pulled over. We found a church, and, and you know, God blessed us that morning with an unbelievable service. And, and so try not to compromise in those little things along the way. Um, that is probably the, the easier or the, the easier for me to slip, not the big ones. And, we, and we've been going through a book at church, The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges, and he mm-hmm. talks about how it's not like, like you said, it's not really the big things that we, we should be worried about, it, but it's those minor compromises that we give up. Oh, you know what? Like you said, I, I can skip church this Sunday. Mm-hmm. No big deal. And he mm-hmm. says, that's really the kill. That's really, really where the killer is when you start compromising on those right. little, little aspects of your habit, of your character. Mm-hmm. And it starts to add up over time and it can be devastating mm-hmm. in, the, in the long term. Yes. So, um, um, going back to your hunting career. Um, so some people get enraged when it comes to, you know, posting pictures of animals mm-hmm. that people kill online and, uh, you know, showing their, their latest hunting kill. Do you, have you ever had any pushback on that? Or what are your thoughts on people mm-hmm. getting kind of upset? Because it looks like you're disrespecting. Mm-hmm. And some people would even say you're disrespecting God's creation because these are animals that God created for our benefit. Right. So to be using it as a sport, it's, it mm-hmm. seems like disrespectful almost. But how would you, how would you answer that? Kind well, of so before... I would almost get angry. But then I started learning, you know, someone might think different, you know. And uh, a few years ago, Academy sent down a, a big uh, firm out of Chicago. They were at our house. This guy, he had all kinds of tattoos on his arm of evolution and this and that. And he was there, and he was angry. You could just tell. They were doing a big photo shoot with us, and they he was angry at us. And, and anyway, long story short, me and him got to talking. And after a day and a half being there, he told me, he said, Jeff, he said, I just got to tell you, I have a new form of respect for you mm-hmm. because I realize that you're not a killer. You're not just killing these animals because you love these animals. And so I guess I'm more uh, sensitive, Levi, to people because they do. They love animals. And I love animals. And, uh, you know, I'm the guy that might be going to church and see a deer out here trapped in a fence. And we're stopping the car on the turnpike, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm going out to risk my life to get a deer out of the fence. But at the same time, trying to educate everyone of if I, as sportsmen, weren't shooting deer, um, you would have way more accidents. Hmm. If we weren't shooting deer, there would be so much disease. It, it, it just, that's one thing that keeps it in check. I mean, you know, if we can get to people that don't understand and let you know or let them know that we're conservationist we're actually trying to help the herd to make it um you know healthy we're feeding homeless where you know there's there's these deals called hush help us stop hunger so a lot of these deer we're shooting we're cutting them up and we're giving them to the hungry Mm. we're donating them um and so when but but again there are people there they're just upset and you know now we're living in this world of facebook and and it's like everybody's with the deer right there and and so there's a fine line um but i i believe god has uh given us that authority and again you know we're not killing just to kill we're uh we're eating we're feeding and we're helping um animals okay yeah and that makes sense because like you said god has given man authority and mm-hmm. 
I know people like to make the argument like people who believe in evolution that we're all animals we're all equal we all have mm-hmm. equal rights but that's not the case the Bible no. makes that clear right. we have been given dominion over the fish of the sea over the fowl of the air so to go out there especially when you're feeding people that are hungry that mm-hmm. are needing to be fed or else they'll right. die I mean that shows you yeah. the value of human life that God has instilled yeah. in you and, and instilled in your company to feed people that, right. are, that are hungry well and I mean we got a I know we got an email here a while back a year or so ago and it basically said this guy said won't you just go get your meat um, like everybody else does at the store. And I'm thinking, I mean, first of all, you know, if we, <laughs> that, that got there somehow, <laughs> exactly, you know, exactly. but he thinks it just rolls in there and that's just the way it is. But, yeah. you know, if you're eating meat, it's, it's you know, it's coming from somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I want to ask about um, how you began traveling because now you speak in churches all over the country. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you about how you got into traveling and doing that. But I'll uh, take a break and ask you that in a second. So going back to how you started traveling and speaking in churches, how did you get started in doing that along with your Buck Ventures mm-hmm. business? Well, I think just the platform, Levi, of, of having Buck Ventures and kind of starting to be known a little bit. And I tell you, <laughs> the first time I was asked, I was scared to death. <laughs> and, um, you know, one thing, even today, I try to make myself continue to be scared to death hmm. because... <clears throat> I believe I'm good enough speaker now that I can get up there and speak, but without God and the Holy Spirit directing that night. So I've always, from that first time someone asked me to speak, it was down in Mississippi, I think, and and I was so nervous. I was up all night trying to prepare um, and and prepared 10 different deals. But anyway, (laughs) um, once that happened, you know, people just started asking me and then, you know, they would see the show and I always did the walk by faith, you know, and end the show with the walk by faith, sharing the gospel or, or reading scripture or whatever. So people all, all over. And then, and then really what happened, there was a niche back probably 15 years ago where these uh, sports dinners started taking place. Mm-hmm. Where Saturday nights they would have this big outreach of bringing in a speaker, giving away some prizes, and trying to get people that didn't know Christ mm-hmm. in. Okay. And so that all took place about the time that I was kind of getting bigger, a bigger name. And, and so now I literally have to just, I literally ever, I get so many requests because there's so many of those. Um, and, and there's just not a whole lot of people that will truly share the gospel. There's a lot of people come speak, mm-hmm. but more churches are, they're seeking after someone that'll share the true gospel. And, um, so I'm very careful with that. I always tell people it's the most important thing that God's given me to do. I mean, um, I say that lightly because, you know, my, my family's first. But uh, with what Bug Ventures can bring and being able to share that gospel, you know, some I've shared it to 2,500 people hmm. in Chattanooga, Tennessee at one one deal right wow. there. And... Um, and so I, I'm, I'm careful to make sure we go in. And, you know, obviously I'm not a pastor, um, but I get to go in and have some fun, share some big-time deer stories, get their attention, 
and then give them the true gospel and and i've seen god do a lot through it so well thank god for mm. that because and like you said going back to being scared i think that even though you're not a pastor i think a lot of pastors should have that fear mm-hmm. every time they step into the pulpit not yeah. out of a, like a, a sinful fear but mm-hmm. the fact that you're communicating god's truth to right. god's people and even to some people that have never heard it before right. so you better make sure you get it right and right. get it accurately because god will hold you accountable yeah. for that well and i mean as i've spoke levi i i, I guarantee you it, it boils down to even your tone, your uh, just the way you're carrying yourself that night. I mean, when God's got a hold of it, and you you give it all to Him, and and um, and being up on stage, because I I'll just be honest, I've been up there before that, and there's no power in it whatsoever. <laughs> I don't care how good a speaker you are, but so I'm very careful with that because, like I said, even praying, God, give me the tone that I need tonight. You know, give me, you know. You, you know, you're you're this TV guy to them, <laughs> and uh, the last thing I ever want to do is come off arrogant or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so yeah, uh, it's it's uh, unbelievable. I mean, I speak uh, in Wichita here in a few days, um, and again, you just never know who's going to be there that night. Mm-hmm. Who who is going to be in the path that God puts you there? You know, so. Now, you said earlier that, like you said, when you're on the road traveling and you're out of town and you still try to get to a church now, you said it's like a toss-up to try to get into a good church. So I, I would assume, or maybe I would venture to say that maybe maybe on occasion that you go to a church where you preach the gospel and, it, and you, and you kind of get a little pushback or, you know, I wish you wouldn't, really wouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. Or I don't Have you ever experienced something like that in church? Probably the biggest thing I get is, first of all, when I, when I started years ago, I asked a guy because I was like, man, I don't know if I should go share the gospel at this church that asked me because I knew it was kind of fluffy at, at best. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I asked somebody wiser than me and he said, man, if you get a chance to share the gospel, go share it. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of became my philosophy. I didn't care who asked me. If I prayed about it and it worked, we're going to go. But the biggest pushback I've had is the closing of that night. So I'm very careful. You know, usually I'll end up somewhere, you know, of, uh, you know, I I talk a lot about Matthew 7. Um, You know, it's kind of been a big part of my life, especially as that eight-year-old boy that maybe got saved, maybe didn't, but then... John MacArthur's message, you know, Matthew 7, few getting through that narrow gate. You know, you got you to gotta go through there basically naked. You can't have all your baggage on and, mm-hmm. and teaching that and, and then really deciphering that and, and, and sometimes even using an illustration to say, hey, you know, come here, pastor so-and-so of this church, and he comes up on stage with me and say, okay, I got 10 guys over here in this circle. Go get me a few of those. Mm-hmm. And he walks over there and he brings back two. And and again, few will find the narrow gate. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, as I preach that, and then I always end up in Romans 10, 9, you know, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead and really bringing that home, um, you know, this easy believism nowadays. And so that's the pushback I've had because... Basically, what they want to do is they want to say, okay, you've got this card. You know, if you're going to put in for this full order, put it on there now. If you've, you know, you've bowed your head and you've received Christ tonight. And, um, you know, and I ain't necessarily like, I know a lot of people, they just say no altar calls whatsoever. And I ain't saying that. I ain't saying an altar call ain't, can't be all right. But you better be careful with it. Mm-hmm. If somebody comes up there and they say they received Christ, let's not just say, oh, well, welcome to the, <laughs> you know. And so I think that is where I would want to be more careful. And, and that's the pushback I've had. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, 
But going so going back to Buck Ventures, we were, we were just talking a little off camera about how your daughter Jaylee's been with you in a truck for all these years, and so what's it been like working with her? Because now she's on the TV show, and 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 you've been working her, working with her for several years. What has she even taught you about, a little mm-hmm. bit about hunting out there? In the, well, she's taught me a lot of patience. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> From when she was uh, just five and six years old, Gracie was on there some too, and and so they did teach me a lot of patience, and, and they taught me. Um, what's important i mean you know i think as a tv hunter we get caught up and boy you're out there and and because all these sponsors that are paying you it's not what have you done for me it's what have you done lately (laughs) and so you know you you're just steadily having to shoot this big deer and you got to get here but with jaylee and gracie having them with me and sharing the woods with them all of a sudden it really put it in perspective when they started hunting i started realizing man that big buck don't mean that much and getting to spend that time with them and then i the other thing is it teach you how to you know your dad skills because you know you'll you'll see as when you get a little bit your yours gets a little older (laughs) the coach can coach them way easier than you can you may know 10 times more than that his baseball coach (laughs) but they won't listen to you as much And, and that's where i've had to you know, I'm the, the professional hunter, but they'll want to take advice from <laughs> Jimmy big time down the road, you know. And and so just just being able to, my dad's skills kind of puts the test at times. Yeah, I would imagine so because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, like I said, I'm just a young dad, but I'm already starting to see my own patients start. Think, I'm thinking, you know, I'm a patient guy, but when you have a child and you're like, wow, I really do need to work on my, this patience because this is a young child and they're going to really emulate how I act and how right. I react. So mm-hmm. I really got to be careful with how I communicate that anger or lack of right. compassion to my to my child. And I guess you've been struggling with that. In the well, business and I'll well. tell you the biggest thing on that is I learned how to say, please forgive me. I messed up mm-hmm. because that'll happen. Levi. It's going to happen. And, and when you, as a dad, can, can humble yourself, and that's not been my strong suit for, for one, but being humble and just saying, Jaylee, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have got mad about that, you know, or, or I'm sorry I didn't do this right, or, or even, hey, I'm sorry I didn't handle this right with this person that you saw me with, you know. Um, but being quick at that, asking for that forgiveness is uh, something I, I sure enough learned. And I think that's an underrated thing for parents when you know parents are supposed to have it all together they're the authority you know do as i say and don't question me but i think and i'm sure you've probably even seen it in your own daughter's life where you're telling her you're this big strong you know Mm -hmm. macho guy but you're coming to her and saying no honey please forgive me i've I've done wrong and that kind of humility i would assume communicates a lot of love and a lot of uh, care to Mm -hmm. wanting to see your child grow up to become just like that i would assume well and it has i mean and and i wish i'd learned it way before Mm -hmm. You know, because I did. I grew up like I started off with. I mean, my dad is the hardest working man I've ever seen. He's the he's a fair man. I mean, he he don't he wouldn't rip anybody off whatsoever. He's almost too fair. <laughs> but that's why he believes if someone treats you unfairly, you know, that's why you bow up. You know, whatever. And you know, it wasn't fair that Christ died. Mm-hmm. And when all of a sudden I started learning that, and then. Um, coming into my life and my wife helped me a lot of, of showing me that listen you know you you, you messed up along the way and you believe in and and, and and you know your first thing you're like no huh <laughs> and um but god has slowly taught me the humility and and going to my kids because i grew up that same way no you do it because i said so yeah. and um slowly gotten out of that but 
when I have used that humility, they respond like that. Hmm. Yeah, it's a testament to God working in your life and in your, your daughter's lives mm-hmm. as well. Um, so about hunting, I'm sure, like you said, you've been doing it for so long and you've enjoyed it and you've loved doing it. So I'm a, I would guess that you have struggled with it becoming an idol in your life and thinking that it elevates you and it has, it's elevated you and your family mm-hmm. and financially speaking mm-hmm. and successful wise. So I'm sure that you've struggled with you know, not making it your God. And so mm-hmm. how, how would you how did you kind of rein that in and, and control that aspect? of it? I think it's a I think it's an ongoing thing, whether that's your hunting or whatever it might be in anyone's life. I mean, I don't think it's I think it's continually a fight to um you know, it's not like, uh, you know, I accepted Christ and now I'm all butter. It's, uh, you know, it's the, it's the continually waking up each day and getting in the word. And if I don't do that, I find myself slipping or whatever. So the same thing with hunting. I mean, um, you, you want that, you know what you need to do. It needs to be, you know, God, I believe this. I believe God, not your family next, but I believe God, I believe your spouse, and I believe your kids, and then it can go from there. And uh, that's been hard because it, it is, right? So I think that's what I talked about a little bit before is the devil can get in there too, right? So you think, okay, God's given us this. He's blessing us. And then all of a sudden you head out, and all of a sudden you get after this big deer. And the whole world's watching, you know, in a sense. And, okay, Jeff, he ain't got nothing done. Facebook ain't lit up. It's been a week. It's been two weeks. It's been this. I need to get home. But man, I'm right here. Honey, I got to stay. My wife's good. She's like, oh yeah, stay. And all of a sudden it does become an idol. And and it can, it's not like you put it away. Does that make sense? You never just, mm-hmm. it, it's just, if you think that, if you can just shove it over <laughs> here and now you're good, um, you got to, you got to continue to, to be filled with Christ each day and, and set with him um, or any little idol can come into play, I guess. Definitely. And I guess the only way you can fight against it, like you said, is getting in the word and really having your priorities straight, God, spouse, children, and not getting those jumbled up because that's right. how everything else gets messed well, up. Well, and on that, the other thing, and this can happen with anybody, but all of a sudden, you know, your wife, she's kind of on you, your kids, and then all of a sudden, especially being a TV guy, the whole world's cheering you on. Mm-hmm. They're telling you how good you are. They're telling you this and that, and all of a sudden, you you, you know it's hard not to like that, mm-hmm. and so you you do have to guard that. And like I said again, back to knowing, uh, you know, John fifteen five has been another big verse of mine that I've always tried to lean on is you know knowing that I am nothing without Christ, mm-hmm. zero. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think you know I don't care what you do for a living or whatever. I think we as men we all got to be careful thinking. You know, it's easy to puff her chest out at times, you know, especially, um, you know, from athletics, roping, whatever it might be, is knowing that, you know what, I mean, I was doing a study this morning and listening to Pastor Doug and on Philippians and, um, you know, just making sure that you know everybody is above you, mm-hmm. especially in the church. I mean, that's kind of how he taught out of Philippians is to, to look at someone superior over you. And that wasn't how I started if that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know. And so that is where I'm at now, and that's where I want to be. 
but you got all this upbringing <laughs> that you were, you know. Exactly, exactly. It's it's always hard to fight against that because, like you said, as men, especially, we think we can get it all done on our own. We can pray for two seconds here and yeah. read the read a verse, and we're good to go. We don't need to be spending hours and hours in doctrine and prayer because mm-hmm. we're men. We got it all right, together. But right. like you said, without Christ, we're nothing. Right. We can't That's do. Right. It. Mm-hmm. And Paul even brings that up in, in Acts, where he says, "In Him we live and move and have our being." So mm-hmm. the fact that we're, we can even sit here and have this discussion, apart, you know, is as uh, evidence of God's working in us and keeping our hearts beating that's right. our lungs breathing all mm-hmm. that stuff and it's easy to forget that yeah. um so going back to you uh, bug ventures do you have any big plans for the next few years or do you have anything that you're looking to expand or to grow in it you know really the the what i'm wanting to do is um get you know i i was given an opportunity i mean i worked really hard to get it but i got some young men you know i talked to you a little bit about my intern from Texas A&M, Cole Cannon's been just a blessing to our company. We have another boy that moved in from Indiana. Um, we got some young men that I'm I'm putting them more and giving them opportunity to be in front of the camera. Mm. Because the truth of the matter is, I I would I mean I'm still going to be out there and I, and I and I definitely have to be, but I would like to gear it down a little bit. Maybe go on a few bucket list hunts, you know, bigger type. Alaska stuff maybe maybe shoot a a grizzly with my bow or something but um but in the most part that's kind of where I feel God maybe leading me is uh you know he's he's giving me that success and again I got to stay plugged in so much or it doesn't go well right Mm -hmm. but um but I can probably pull back a little bit, and that's probably in the, that's in the nearby future. Okay, that sounds exciting, especially since you got a daughter coming up, getting married, mm-hmm. and probably a grandbaby that you, I'm sure you're gonna want to be spending some time <laughs> yeah. with. Yeah. So, um, so being out there in the world, I'm sure that you're you've been outdoors all your life. And uh, there's a verse in the Bible that I wanted to read, Psalm 19:1. It says, "The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth forth knowledge." There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. And I, I just wondered, how often does that play in your mind when you're out there looking at these sunrises, looking at these plains, these mm-hmm. trees, these animals out there? How often are you like, wow, this is God's glory that I, that I get to go out there and see all the time? Well, and, I, and I, it, now, all the time. If I rewind, Levi, when I first started, it's kind of going back to the, you know, it was so hard to see the journey when I first started because you were all wrapped up in success mm-hmm. of the kill. You know, you had to get the kill to make the episode so this sponsor was happy. You had to you had to perform, you know, whatever, this gun or this bow. And so you didn't see the sunrises. You didn't see the sunsets. I mean, I, I can't tell you how I've had to teach these guys even that work for me. Listen, slow down, see it. Don't you get caught up. You stay in the journey. And um, so now it's real easy to me. I mean, a bird whistling over here. I mean, the sunrise. Yeah. I'm more, you know, God has given me that more of that wisdom and discernment. Uh, praise you. <laughs> I mean, because I did, you know, I got so wrapped up in it. And then all of a sudden you get to going teetering down the wrong way. You haven't performed. You haven't performed. Well, you sure ain't seeing the journey now. <laughs> You're just, and, and, and so... I've learned that and, and being able to teach that to these boys. Uh, so that verse is perfect because, I mean, it just takes a second, right? I mean, all out there is his creation, and it's it's unreal. From the sounds to the, you know, we a lot of times we'll be in Colorado in September. We'll see the leaves change. We'll leave there and, and end up in Ohio, see the leaves change in the big ridges there, and then come back through Oklahoma and see that. So we might get three, maybe four leaves changing those fall colors and 
and it's so evident what God is, you know. And it's amazing. And, uh, and I guess, you know, being out there is just humbles you to realize you know, how powerful God is, how wonderful, mm-hmm. how um, really intelligent to be able to create all these different colors, all these different animals mm-hmm. and the way they breathe, the way they even operate. And then you guys know how you study their patterns and all those right. things that you're learning. Like, wow, mm-hmm. God, somebody had to put this into play. Yeah. And you're seeing that play out in your own business. Yeah, well, and just, man, I tell you from being 30 foot up in a tree to the safety that he gives us to, um, yeah, just from the water that we see, the uh, colors, I mean, the northern lights in Canada. And you're right. I mean, it's just, that's one thing I've never doubted is, you know, I can't understand it all, nor would I ever want because our God wouldn't be that big if we could understand it (laughs) all. Exactly, exactly. And uh, so as you've gone out throughout your business, speaking in churches and talking about the gospel and 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 really not just talking about it, but trying to live it out in your own life and, and, and with your wife and your children and in and, and our church. Um, so could you explain just for the audience, what is exactly the gospel? Because it, it gets right. confusing. It gets caught up in all kinds of you have the prosperity gospel. Now you have all kinds of false gospels out there. So could you explain mm. exactly what the gospel is? Well, to is? me, the gospel, I mean, obviously, you know, the easy deal, someone's going to say it's the good news and it is, it's the good news about Jesus Christ. Mm. And, and the simplicity of that is that God did send his only son to die on the cross for our sins. And if I stop right there and just make sure people know that we're sinners, you know, we, we'll finish it with, you know, he rose again three days later. I mean, from Romans 3.23, 6.23, you know, the wages of sin is death. But I think the gospel where it's getting lost today, Levi, is they're not... A lot of people, if I just say that, I mean, if I say grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone, we'll get so many to raise their hand, whatever. But where I think we have to finish the gospel is that God is a just God. And the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. And that we are sinners. And the only way to that heaven that is spoke about all the time and God's love, the only way to that is a true repentance of, of Romans 10, 9, a confess with your mouth. And back then when you did that, you might die by saying that. Mm-hmm. You're confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And, and just that sentence Jesus is Lord, becoming the Lord of your life, and then believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I mean, that to me is the gospel. But again, knowing, finishing that with, um, don't be the lost believer. Don't be Nicodemus. Even the demons believe and tremble. So I think we have to be careful with the gospel to finish it. Half the gospel is not the gospel. And the truth of the matter is, there is a heaven that we all know is great. Do we need to stop? Let that. No. <laughs> and um, we we know there there's a heaven that everybody talks about, but there is a hell. And that's the one thing I like to sh- to make sure people know: you will live forever. Everyone is. Mm-hmm. I I can show you in the Bible that, and I'm not I'm not just telling you that. You will live forever, either in heaven or hell. And there, you have to make that decision. And to me, that's the complete gospel. And it is, you know, grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone. But when you surrender to Christ, there should be fruit. There should be 
you know, repentance is turning away. And, you know, a regenerated, regenerated heart will do that. Well, Jeff, I thank you for explaining that to us. Thank you for, uh, you know, coming on the Do Lost podcast, answering these questions. And thank you for your show. I hope you keep going and you mm-hmm. keep being successful. And God keeps using you for his glory. So thank you for coming on the show. Well, and I got to tell y'all, so uh, I'm going to be doing a podcast next year and we're going to get him on there. So we're going to put him in the other seat. <laughs> Appreciate that, Jeff. Thanks, man. <laughs>